Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the federal government offers military aid to Alberta as COVID cases surge. 1,058 people are being treated for COVID-19 in hospital, including 226 in the ICU. 100% of new ICU admissions were in Albertans who did not have any vaccine protection. What does the rise of the People's Party of Canada say about the current mood of the country? Can the PPC survive if we're not talking about COVID? A lot of the anti-lockdown, anti-mask, people are really frustrated with the past year, gravitated towards the PPC. And Aaron O'Toole could be in for a rough ride from his own party. The Conservatives have uh, a lot of soul searching to do as, as they often do after these things. Uh, We've already seen one of the National Council members come out and call for an early review of Mr. O'Toole's leadership. I think there's still um, kind of a, a lack of understanding within that movement about what happened. It's Friday, September 24th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Toronto's star national columnist, Althea Raj. Good morning, Althea. Good morning, Mark. Let's start with the situation in Alberta. The federal government is offering help. Uh, Jason Kenney uh, has has managed to negotiate with his caucus to avoid an immediate challenge to his leadership. But as a result, he's moved up the the previously scheduled leadership review. So that's going to happen earlier. Um, So there's obviously the COVID story that's playing out. And there's the political story about the future of the Alberta premier. um, And they're very closely intertwined, aren't they? Well, the NDP in Alberta is arguing that the Premier is paying more attention to the the politics rather than the health implications, so that's certainly um, an angle of attack. You're right, uh, Jason Kenney has spoken to the UCP president and requested that the leadership review um, happen basically in the spring of 2022. It was supposed to be scheduled for the end of next year, so... Um, that will be certainly something that us political watchers will, will certainly watch. But the situation in Alberta is really terrible. We had the death of somebody who's under 20. Um, health officials are saying that basically not only are they operating at like double their full capacity, but there are so many people flooding the ICU. They're, they have more people in the ICU than they had in any of the other previous waves. And the only reason they can keep up, I thought this was really tragic, is because people are dying. That's why there was like they haven't started triaging people because um, because the people coming are replacing the people who are dying in the ICU. Wow. Uh, yeah. Bill Blair uh, said actually he he said this even before the election campaign was over, but that Ottawa was at the ready. Um, and yesterday on Twitter, he basically said that. The government of Canada would do, I mean, this is one it said forever, but that the, would do anything to provide provincial support. But what that support looks like, it's clearer now. Basically, deploying Kane Armed Forces medical resources to Alberta, um, helping with air evacuations to other provinces, and deploying Kane Red Cross resources. So, um, Ottawa is at the ready. So, uh, Let's talk next about the future of another political leader, Aaron O'Toole. Um, the Conservatives didn't get what they wanted out of this election, although there were people in the final days of the campaign saying if they held Justin Trudeau to a minority, which is what happened, that that would be a win. Uh, but I think that was conditioning expectations more than anything else. There I are think people, you're right about that. <laughs> yeah, there are people 
uh, calling for Aaron O'Toole to be removed as leader or to step down as leader. There are also people defending him, Ontario Premier Mike Harris. Sorry, mm-hmm. former Ontario Premier Mike Harris came out and, and uh, defended O'Toole yesterday. There have been others as well. Um, what's What do you see as the sequence of events from here as O'Toole tries to hang on to his job? Yeah, he is basically hoping that he doesn't have the same fate that uh, was reserved for his predecessor, Andrew Shearer. Um, and you're seeing they're actively basically asking MPs to come out and support um, Mr. O'Toole. So you've had some pretty big names, um, Michelle Rumpel, Garnet Genuis, you know, people who are associated with the Harper era and the more right-wing flank of the party, as well as progressive conservatives like Premier Harris. Um you're also, however, though, hearing from MPs behind the scenes, um, so incumbents who've been reelected, who are deeply disappointed with the results. So there's a, a whisper campaign, I guess, that has started um, too early to say whether or not it's actually organized. You also have MPs like Chris Workington, who was very close to um, Andrew Shear, speaking to his local paper, um, actually willing to go on the record to say he doesn't think that Aaron O'Toole should stay. Um, So there is going to be obviously a very heated caucus meeting when they meet. Um, Mr. O'Toole has let it, or the people around Mr. O'Toole have suggested that he is going to once again ask caucus to give itself the power to uh, call for a leadership review and and vote on the the future of the leader. Um, Aaron O'Toole had done this in 2019, but caucus had not given itself that power. I, from my conversation with MPs, I don't know if they're going to give themselves that power again this time. The sense I get is that the MPs would rather have the move come from the membership rather than from caucus. And there is a mechanism in the Conservative Party's constitution that allows for a referendum to take place before a leadership review that's scheduled for in two years, in 2023. Um, so they only need 5% of the membership in an that represents 5% in five provinces. Um, and so we will see whether or not they get that. There was a story in the start earlier this week from one of my colleagues that suggested that the Conservative Party is, has basically shut down SIMS, this is their internal database, um, to prevent people from organizing, you know, checking names to see whether or not they're a member. And the party wants to be able to kind of strike out any names from uh, any list that would come with the petition. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I yeah. mean, what's really sh- interesting to me, Mark, frankly, is that a lot of people who supported Peter McKay are being pretty quiet. So mm. I think we'll, we'll hear more in yeah. the days to come. Now, related to that, of course, uh, in part, there are a number of different factors, obviously, that Aaron O'Toole is, is facing questions about his leadership. But uh, the People's Party of Canada, the rise of that party uh, is a factor, I think. And mm-hmm. people are looking closely at... At Maxime Bernier, there was, uh, uh, there, there's been a lot that's happened in the last couple of days, including Bernier being reprimanded by Twitter for uh, sharing the email addresses of some journalists in a tweet that he posted. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, what what's your sense of where the People's Party goes from here? Bernier did not win his seat, and the party didn't win any seats, but they got 5% of the popular vote, and so they've become more relevant in Canadian politics as a result. 
Yeah, if they can keep that percentage, it means that Maxine Bernie would be in the leadership debates next time, right? I mean, yeah. 800,000 plus people who voted uh, for the PPC is not an insignificant amount. It's a huge amount. I think the Greens only got like 230 this time around. Um, there are a lot of conservatives who believe that most of the PPC voters are conservative voters, and they point to things like the fact that in about 24 ridings, if you add the CPC, the Conservative Party's vote and the PPC's vote, um, the Conservatives would have run that riding, like ridings like Edmonton Centre, for example, or Edmonton Grease Block. Um, the PPC came in second in four Alberta ridings, um, which suggests to me that if Maxime Bernier wants a seat in the House of Commons, he would probably best be placed um, riding in Alberta or maybe even in Saskatchewan. Mm. Um, I had spoken to them during the campaign, and they didn't really think that they were going to win uh, both, in part because um, Maxim's rhetoric, Maxim Bernier's rhetoric on immigration, for example, doesn't fit with the priorities of his writing that has a huge um, labor shortage. Uh, there's a lot of seniors that live in both who are very worried about COVID, and obviously Bernie's rhetoric around COVID didn't help. Um, supply management, lots of dairy farmers in the both who were very unhappy and helped organize to boot him out of the conservative leadership, right? So um, the, the the ingredients for a successful win in the both were not there, but they might be there in Alberta or Saskatchewan. Um, I'm not sure, though, that uh, this PPC vote is necessarily a CPC vote. You know, you see right. the, the green vote crater, and can the PPC survive if we're not talking about COVID? A lot of the anti-lockdown, anti-mask, people are really frustrated with the past year, gravitated towards the PPC. Even heard some of the candidates, like their their rhetoric around um, marriage, for example, like uh, family values, that, that sort of stuff. I mean, that is not actually what the PPC stands for when Maxine Bernier is a pro-choice libertarian candidate who believes in live and let live social issues are not part of that party's platform so it will be interesting to see how and in what form PPC survives and whether it can carry that momentum that it currently has after the pandemic is over yeah all right, just quickly as we wrap up, Althea, we're expecting Prime Minister Trudeau to hold a news conference next week and, mm-hmm. and talk about the next Parliament of Canada. Um, he has decisions to make about a throne speech and the resumption of Parliament, his cabinet. He did lose four people from cabinet, uh, one who chose not to run, three who were defeated. So there there are big questions. Uh, give us a quick uh, overview of what you expect next week. Yeah, we were told that one of the reasons why the Prime Minister would not be addressing uh, the media and the public was because he wanted to see the results of the election finalized. Um, yesterday in Guam's squad, the Liberals actually, now that the mail-in ballots had been counted, um, they were able to flip a seat from the Blecky request to the Liberals, giving them 159 seats, or 158 if you count that um, Kevin Wong candidate in Fort Spadina, Fort York, who has been disavowed. Um, so the counting is actually still continuing. Uh, they're supposed to finish British Columbia, which had the most mail-in ballots, if I'm not mistaken, today, Friday. Um, and so I'm not sure that we will have an announcement on who the new cabinet will be next week. But at least that initial press conference that usually actually happens the day after the election or in the, af- the afternoon after the election or the two days after the election is going to happen where the Liberals kind of lick their wounds and tell us what they think happened and what didn't happen um, and set the course forward. Uh, the premiers met 
on Thursday. Um, so already there's a, a, a list of demands awaiting Justin Trudeau from the premiers. Um, and of course, yes, <laughs> we expect a throne speech and a fiscal update uh, in the next few months. Um, certainly there's a there is an agenda there, and they justified the election by saying they had a big agenda, so people will be waiting to see results. All right, Althea, thanks for bringing us up to date on all of that. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Okay, thanks. See you too, Mark. That's Toronto Star National columnist Althea Raj. For me to to uh, sort of improvise a, a internal party uh, process and dispute would I think be regarded by the vast majority of Albertans as a kind of self-indulgent political sideshow. Now here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues Jason Kenney should do the honorable thing and resign. Mason writes, When the pandemic arrived, Jason Kenney authored a master class in how not to lead during a crisis. There is nothing, really, to be said in his defense. He has allowed politics to govern his decision-making, as opposed to doing the right thing for the greater good, regardless of any political cost. A change in leader is the only hope the United Conservative Party has of holding on to power. A new leader, a new voice, and mea culpas galore for the disastrous job the party has done. In the National Post, Michael Tobe makes the case for Aaron O'Toole leading the Conservatives into the next election. Tobe writes, O'Toole's party machine ran on all cylinders and barely stumbled. He widened the Conservative political tent and made important gains in Atlantic Canada. And it doesn't do the party any good to use a revolving door policy when it comes to the party leader's role. It makes them look rigid, unfocused, indecisive, and fickle. And most importantly, an unviable political option. Aaron O'Toole has earned the right to face off against the Liberals in a second election. The Conservatives would be wise to give him that opportunity. In the Toronto Star, Thomas Walkham asks, What does it mean for the opposition that most Canadians voted for the status quo? Walkham writes, Canadians were for the most part happy with the Parliament they had elected in 2019. Given a chance to change it, they demurred. This does not mean that voters will support Justin Trudeau's minority Liberal government forever, but it does suggest that they will support it for the time being. This puts constraints on the opposition parties. Minority governments give the opposition more power, but such governments also give them more responsibility to get things done. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, September 24th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.